Hello and welcome back to Connected on Relay FM. This is episode number seven. Today is Wednesday, the 1st of October 2014. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends over at Smile. And we're talking about Text Expander Touch today, where you can type more with less effort. My name is Mike Curley, and I'm joined, as I always am, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, welcome back to the, uh, the the new father of the group, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, boys. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank on- you for the, uh, the kind words on last week's show. That's okay. He's always been a father, though, right? He's always I been mean, a father to me. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Dr. Drang, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been a father for almost six years. I've been beta testing parenthood for almost <laughs> six years now. And I've got to say... And um, you got some bug reports, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a uh, big show today, huge show. But we need to start with what might be oh, the most <laughs> the most well documented piece of follow up that we've ever received. Uh, so let me before we go into it, let me paint a picture for you guys. Mm. I was a newborn son last Monday, so we're in the hospital, kind of hanging out. And I'm like, hey, everyone's asleep. I'm going to listen to Connected. And I hear you guys say what we're getting ready to correct. And like, I corrected it for you, even though you weren't there. I was by myself with a sleeping baby. Um, I could have saved you from the follow-up. But, um, but Mike, what, what, what happened? What, what, what happened with this? I have prepared a statement. Yes. <laughs> this is the Mike mea culpa. So... I made the egregious error of saying last week that uh, reachability did not allow me to access Notification Center. Um, Thankfully, the entire internet got in touch uh, to let me know that you can access Notification Center from reachability. I am not kidding. I have never received as much response from something that I did from this. Uh, maybe within 24 hours, I probably had about five or six emails about it and about 25 or 30 tweets. And I thought, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of feedback about that. Uh, I definitely need to address that. But it carried on all week. I was still getting people telling me yesterday about it. I, I think this <laughs> means you should be in the business of uh, providing uh, reachability tips. On a daily basis. I'm good. I've already set up a blog, reachability.sexy. And, uh, <laughs> reachability stories. Whoa. We're all, we're all Whoa. over it. We're all over it. It's um, just reach, reaching all the time. I always appreciate follow-up. Do not misunderstand that, guys. But it was just, it was insane. I, I knew that I made the error like after hearing it, but I was just could not believe how many people co- contacted me about it. it. It was just very peculiar to me because I make errors all the time. All the time, but uh, this week, lots, lots and lots, lots and lots of feedback. Lots of feedback. So have you just been swiping down to get notification center all I've, week to make up for your been. mistake? I have been, because I know it exists now. Like I, I, I feel like I don't know anything about iOS more than I know that readability <laughs> can be accessed. Can, you can, can use I, readability. Can I, can I just comment on, on that feature? Yeah. Because I've, I've been using uh, my iPhone 6 for the past week, and... <laughs> And I really like it. No, um, so this reachability uh, thing, uh, it was kind of weird initially, especially when I saw it in the, in the keynote. 
Uh, you know, I've been using it quite a lot every day, and I, I like it. Um, and I do think that the gesture to open notification notification center is kind of weird because you need to swipe on basically a huge void on your home screen mm. uh, or any other app, and it, and it just doesn't make sense because uh, the status bar doesn't come down. So you basically you need to you need to guess where you have to swipe, and uh, and I also think it's weird that uh, reachability doesn't push. Um, individual notification banners down because I often want to just tap uh, a message or a tweet that I, ju- that I just got, uh, but I cannot push the, the individual banner with reachability. So it, looks, it seems to me that this feature is uh, weird but handy, but also half-baked and it needs more work. I, while we're talking about notifications, I really don't like that you can't pull down the notification uh, center view anymore from the when you get a notification like you know you used to be able to like just press it and then you could pull down yeah you can't do that anymore and i, I don't like that that's because you have actions now you have actions Whoa. when you pull down no but you know it'd be nice if you could like you could grab it like this is how it used to work you could grab it and you push up a little bit and then you can pull the whole thing down oh yeah i know what you mean yeah, yeah. do you remember like, it was yeah weird. yeah yeah um do, do you guys find like I sort of do reachability accidentally. Oh, all the time, constantly. Because it's it's like a weird like you have to double touch the button, but not. Sometimes it just happens. I don't know. I'm not. The whole thing feels really strange, and clearly they're like forcing an interaction onto hardware that like wasn't ever designed with this in mind. Yeah, it's like retrofitting it. It's like we need to do this thing, and the only way we can do it is to do something from the home button. I, yeah. What I have realized in the last couple of weeks is that I obviously rest my thumb on the home button yeah, because I'm constantly setting it off. Oh, no, no way. I never do that. Can you turn it off? Uh, don't you know. should look it up. I'm definitely going to look it up because otherwise it's just I don't think, I, I, I do think that Ruchability, however, is better than the uh, Samsung one-handed mode that basically shrinks an app into the corner of the screen. Um, I think yeah. it, it is a strange but more elegant solution than that. You can I, definitely tu- you can definitely turn it off. I'm showing my timeless video now. There's a there's a switch. If what, you turn it off. What I would also like to do. Yeah, Stephen's taking a time lapse of this of this episode. <laughs> It'll I don't be know in why. the show notes because um, I can. Uh, what I would also like to be able to do though is to like to toggle it and keep it there, and then I choose when it goes back. Hmm. Yeah, because sometimes like a single interaction will send it back to the top, and other times it hangs out. Again, it just feels sort of halfway done. So the second most received follow-up feedback that I've ever had was around the next part. <laughs> it's a big week, guys. Landscape mode text selection. Now, this one I will not take any. Um, I will not take any responsibility for not knowing about. Like hmm. because the way in which that you you need to to do this is so backwards. So if you remember, I was saying that it would be good if you could highlight text by like holding shift and using the cursor keys in landscape mode on the six plus. It is possible to highlight text, but the way you have to do it is to double tap the shift key to go into caps locks mode, and then you can move the cursor left and right to select text. That it sounds works, it works on the six as well. Oh okay. Look at it that. does. That's super janky. That doesn't make any sense. That that 
I feel like that's a bug, not a feature, but it's a way uh, you do it. Yeah, I mean, the keyboard stuff too, like reachability, I think especially on the 6 Plus, like they didn't make the keyboard so wide, so they, they threw some stuff in there. And I, for one, at least on the 6, feel like the horizontal keyboard is harder to use than it used to be because now like, I have to like, bypass all of these things around the edges to get to the actual keyboard. The 6 Plus needs a script, a split. Uh, keyboard, yeah, mode. definitely. One hundred. You guys use the landscape keyboard on the iPhone much? I've been using it more for those buttons. Mm. Seriously, that that like the, the. I've used some apps like which are text heavy, that you that you need these buttons. If you use these buttons, it can make things a lot easier to do. Like the cut, copy, and paste stuff is very useful. Like when uh, I decided this week that when Casey hit 10,000 followers, I wanted to send him 10,000 emoji balloons, mm-hmm. which I did do. Uh, that was how I did it. Who are you talking about? I don't know. Some, you, some, should have used this, you should have used a script to send 10,000 emoji. It wasn't that difficult. It, it took me like a minute to, to do it. And it was 10,000? Yeah, I did 10 and then I did... Copied and pasted that and did that 10 times. Then copied that, did that 10 times. Copied all that, did that 10 times. Wow, you're that's really a, good. That's at, a metric, though. You're really good at mathematics, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, speaking of follow-up from the distant past, there's a bunch of tweets in here about battery improvement after restoring your phone, Mike. which is uh, <laughs> pretty interesting. So, so, Mike, I heard that you started fresh. Do yep. you still feel like that was the right decision for you? Uh, yes, I do. My phone does still feel a little bit weird. It, it feels like I've, it's not organized in any way. And I don't feel like I can organize it properly. Like where, what apps I'm using and where they're going. Um, but I'm getting there. I feel like it's just going to be a slow, long process of getting things to some sort of order. Like screen one is pretty much set, but then two and three, it's kind of all over the place at the moment. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I'm working on it. But the battery life is incredible. So if that's what did it, then it was worth it. Yeah. I I have found that, you know, with the, even with the six, you get an extra of icons and it's been really stressful. <laughs> like see what's going to get graduated up to the, up to the, my first home screen. Yeah. But also like we spoke about this last week, but you have to completely rethink the way that you organize it. Yeah. Because the mo the, the apps that you want to use the most don't necessarily go where they used to go. Like for me, they all went at the top, but that they they're now the hardest for me to reach. Even though, of course, I can use everybody's favorite software feature to get to them. Um, Spotlight. Mm-hmm. You guys really think a lot about this this stuff. I We're, can't uh, believe you don't, considering how much time leaders. you spend on iOS. I just don't obsess over the position of icons. I guess I use Spotlight a lot to launch apps. Is that is that weird? No, I, I, I use do... it a lot, but for apps that aren't on my home screen, mm. like the first one. Yeah, I don't know. I just never, you know, there's people who uh, do all sorts of crazy uh, experiments, to, like with the colors of the icons on the home screen and yeah. arranging icons, and like they spend hours and hours trying to move icons. So just. I do have some logic to the way that I arrange at least the you first do? screen. Yeah, like messaging apps go on ro- one row and then four of the five uh, <laughs> to-do apps that I have uh, go on, on one row. 
You know, you should try this um, methodology that I heard. Uh, it's called GTD. So that's how I get things done. I get things done with five different applications. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm leaving well, that, that there. I'm know. just going to leave that there and we'll see what people have to say about that. Anyway. Are we waiting for people to comment right now? <laughs> no, not right now. Just <laughs> let uh, that hang. I mean, this I, is a calling show or something? I, I yeah. <laughs> we have Bob from Cleveland, Ohio on the line. <laughs> Nobody from Cleveland has the internet. So okay. I wrote a review of the iPhone 6. It's in the show notes. And then I had some, I followed up with some follow-up. And I don't know, you can go read the review. I'm sure a lot of people have by now. One thing I wanted to talk to you two about, um, you guys are using cases with your phones. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Mike is. What about you, Federico? No way. See, okay, so here's my thing. I used a case with my original iPhone because it was expensive and made of metal and scary to carry around. But now, I mean, I haven't since then. Like, I've only ever broken like one phone. Uh, with the six though, I ended up buying the black leather Apple case and I'm not using it currently, but I've been using it kind of on and off. And uh, I don't know, like Mike, I think you had tweeted or something saying like the phone, like these are slippery, right? Like the edges aren't yeah. flat. So it's, you don't have a lot of contact with the edge of your fingers to hold it. And like, it's just, it's sort of like the slippery little thing that I've actually dropped mine once already. Thankfully it was outside over grass and not concrete, but sort of a weird thing i didn't think i'd ever buy an iphone case again so i have like quite a grippy case on mine and i'm waiting for my apple silicone case to ship some point this year um if i didn't have a case this phone would be ruined if not now in a very in the very near future it's i i was kind of playing around about the case on yesterday and it's too big and too slippery I I have to have something where I can keep a grip on it. Like I found one of my sort of resting positions for the phone is I have a very light grip on it, but I have most of my hand covering the back of it. Um, mm. And and because I have a grippy case, it just stays in place. Uh, mm. I wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. So. Yeah, well, life's too short to carry a case on your iPhone. Life's too short to stand in line at the Genius Bar. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you should you should enjoy your iPhone naked. As did you Johnny, do as Johnny I've made it? Yes. Uh, did you guys do AppleCare Plus? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I did that too. Um, I went to our local store and had to stand in line outside the store just to buy AppleCare Plus. And I was like, guys, this is why people hate the Apple Store. Yeah, I didn't have that. I, I just walked right in and I found one of the. Well, it must be nice to live in a free country where it, you can do whatever you want. But here, it feels pretty good in this Apple democracy. A hipster at the Apple Store told me to wait outside. Well, it's a hipster tyranny. Yes. Um, anything else on new phones? Federico, yours was broken when you bought it, right? <laughs> yeah, that was quite scary. So basically, um, I woke up and I drove to the to the Apple Store, which is just five minutes here, here in Rome, where I'm staying this week. So I went there and there was a line, as you guys told me, there was a line for people who uh, had a reservation. And it was noon, so there was still a bunch of people in line to get iPhones without a reservation. So good luck to them. And um, so I got my phone, and so I drove back home, and I started using my iPhone. I was really, really happy. Um, I started downloading apps. Um, I took a bunch of pictures. I called my mom. I, I was, I was really glad to glad to have an iPhone with me. And um, basically, after forty five minutes, I, I guess. 
I just locked my phone because I needed to cook lunch. Uh, I was making pasta, of course. And um, so I locked my phone. And after a, a couple of minutes, I, uh, I went to open uh, a Twitter notification. And the screen was not responding to any touch. But I, I, I was tapping the screen and nothing was happening. So I tried to unlock with Touch ID and it, and it didn't work. Uh, I couldn't tap my passcode uh, because Touch was not working on the display. So I rebooted my phone and it didn't work. I rebooted again and it worked. So I, uh, you know, uh, I was chatting with you guys on iMessage and I was like, what is happening? And then uh, I rebooted my phone and I thought that I fixed it. Uh, so I was really happy again. Um, but then it started happening again, and I, and I basically rebooted my phone like 15 to 20 times, and the display was just not responding anymore. So I downloaded the... Uh, I thought that it was iOS 8.0.2, uh, I think. And um, I, I thought that was the problem because there were, there were issues with the, with the software update uh, a few days before. So I downloaded iOS 8 just to make sure that... Uh, that it was not a hardware problem. Uh, I did a, a restore on the phone, and as soon as uh, the iPhone rebooted with a clean install of iOS 8, I couldn't even uh, swipe to start the setup process. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So uh, that was my... Uh, at that point, I realized that maybe the phone was the problem. So I, drew, I called the Apple Store. Um, they were like, really? <laughs> and, and I was like, yep, yeah, the display is just not responding anymore. So I drove there on launch day and basically I showed the problem to the Apple Store guy. He called the manager. The manager told me that I would get a replacement. And after 10 minutes, there was a new iPhone for me. And they were super kind, super helpful. They told me that because I had a business invoice, I... Um, they were they were making like an exception, I think, uh, because they don't replace broken phones on launch day. But that doesn't and, seem like a good policy in any stretch yeah, of the imagination. That doesn't yeah, seem... I know. I know. They, they told me if if we cannot exchange it, uh, you need to to wait until tomorrow morning, and because it was already six p.m. And you so, were you were getting ready to start flipping over some tables. No, I was yeah. I was ready to I was ready to pull the Mac Stories card. Did you tell uh, them you were a pro blogger? No, I just showed them the invoice. Um, and, and of course, on the, on the invoice, I, I always use my business name and my work email. So I don't know. Sylvia told me that uh, maybe it's because of the website. Uh, I tend to believe that it's just because they, uh, they do priority stuff for business customers. Yeah. Anyway, they, they replaced my phone, and I'm, and I'm really happy. And it's been working really well so far. I love the, the form factor. And I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm using the iPhone a lot. Yeah. That was quite scary because it never, never happened to me to have a broken phone on like a, a defective unit. So, yeah, that, that's a, that's distressing. Like, I know it's like super first world problem, whatever. Um, but like to, to, to go through the process of whatever it is you need to do, because it's never a nice thing to get a yeah. phone, it's always a pain. And yeah, you know what's strange? Work, you know what's strange that the guy that I uh, that I was talking to in the morning while we were waiting in line um, in the afternoon the same guy was there too because his iPhone was broken too he had a problem with the with the uh, the little um, what's the name the vibration um, thing inside the iPhone um, it, it was broken on his uh, on his unit. 
So it, basically, the guy uh, bought the iPhone right after me. Maybe they're just sending all the defective phones to Italy. Could be. Could be. I think that's it. Or maybe some guy at Foxconn just made two broken iPhones, and they sold it. they sold them to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, stuff definitely happens, and I think if you had, even if you weren't a business client, if you had made some noise, I think they would have taken care of you. Um, right now, though, at least in the states, that's really hard to come by. Even a six right now, um, like the sixty-four gig six, is sold out in a lot of stores, including our local store here. I think it's. Um, It'd be a little bit tougher now, but on launch day, you know, as long as they have it in stock, I think most Apple stores would take care of you. They're nice like that. So, should we maybe get onto some topics? Because we got yes. a lot of we have topics. Uh, I think so. Unless you want to just wrap, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Okay, what see, what, do you, what about doing like two hours of teachy tips? Okay. Whenever no. you're ready. Not really. <laughs> So topic zero? Yep. And we have topic 0.5, which made me laugh. So this is sort of actually um, weird. It's weird and was a little unexpected, I think, or at least I don't keep up with this sort of scene, but uh, basically Apple is showing off the Apple Watch in Paris um, today, right, at a fashion show. Mm-hmm. Well, and no, it's at a fashion store. It's just a fashion like a store. And like cool Johnny product. Ive, Mark Newson. A bunch of people at Apple are in Paris, and Johnny Ive was in Vogue magazine today, and it's a very strange day and very, like, Apple is in fashion type of news day. Yeah, so basically overnight, this store got outfitted with a window display with Apple Watches, and then inside a bunch of demo units, which you could people could go in and take a look of, and they were just cycling through the demo that people had seen at the uh, at the Apple event, I think. But they had a bunch of different configurations out on the desk, and there's, there's a bunch of uh, tweets in the show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash connected slash seven, or in your favorite podcast app, um, that show that I, I was pulling in some stuff of people that were there and were taking pictures of, of the devices themselves. It's... Um, Interesting. I wonder if this is part of a tour or if it's this is the only time we're going to see it. Yeah, that was my uh, my exact same idea. Uh, I was kind of hoping that it would uh, like have a one of these events in Rome soon because uh, there's a in Ro- have you guys ever been to Rome, Mike? Of course you haven't. Um, Stephen, uh, you, you haven't been to Rome. Um, so there's a there's a the like. Uh, these uh, street, right, that is full of boutiques. So Prada, Gucci, and all these other hashtag brands. And it would make sense for, for Apple to have uh, this kind of Apple Watch event in Rome. Um, and I would go, you know, I would definitely go there <laughs> if that was the case. Um, I, I would probably try to, to talk to Mark Newsom because he seems like, just like a fascinating guy. Yeah, I feel have like you, you they won't be the, there every time. Have you guys seen the the beer machine that Newsom uh, designed? <laughs> yeah, it's a Mac Pro tipped on its side. <laughs> it's a beer pro. Yeah. Yeah, very that's yeah, that's peculiar. I don't really understand that. Yeah, and I guess that we were we were extremely right when we did the episode about uh smartwatches and fashion. 
Because look, look what's happening. There's Apple in fashion magazines and doing uh, events in boutiques in Paris and, you know, interviews on Vogue. Yeah, did you read this, uh, this article? Yeah. I've only read it, excerpts of it. It's, it's good. A lot of it is sort of Johnny Ive history, but there's a good bit too about, you know, I've, um, you know, talking about the watch being a product that's not like technology first. Um, that the watch is a beautiful thing, you know, f- forgetting the fact that it's like a technical achievement, which is an interesting, interesting thing. Um, he talks about being able to send your heartbeat. So there's that. The interesting thing that came out of the Vogue story, though, is they got access to the watch and to Ive weeks before it was announced. Yeah, I, saw I don't that. think that's the really interesting part. The really interesting part is that Bono said that <laughs> Ive and Newsom finish each other's food. That's well, fine. <laughs> well, I liked, I liked how. Uh, did you, did you see Bono's quote? You guys are gonna have to help me out. I'm having some serious Chrome issues right now, so I can't see the document. But Stephen, can you read the quote that I pulled out? Uh, yes. When you go out the when you go out for a pint, yeah, thing. When you go out for a pint with Johnny, it's like going for a pint with the future. <laughs> with the future. I love that Bono said that about him, and I I love the thought that they go for pints together. It's just so so. There's a story. Somewhere, maybe we can dig it up about the U2 iPod and how that was like Ive and Bono doing it together. Yeah, because it kind um, it kind of says that in in that article, it, well, that I saw it, it mentions that Steve sent Johnny to fix the deal. It yeah, would appear, which is very. Then we'll interesting see if, to me. if we can track that down. But it's you know clearly like I've been thinking about this after the weird like uh, Bono Tim Cook finger touching thing <laughs> on stage. <laughs> And I was like, well, was, you know, was Bono friends with Steve and he kind of like puts up with Apple, but it really seems like Apple is like an executive entity and you two or Bono is a brand like it's not, it wasn't just Steve Jobs. It's very strange to me. Like it's a very, very weird <laughs> combination, but what can you do? I saw, I saw a commercial for the free U2 album on the Italian television a few minutes ago. During the Champions League, you guys follow soccer? You guys know this sport oh, that we, we have? We love soccer here. Yeah. We're all about soccer at Relay yeah. FM. But do you guys not think it's interesting at all that Vogue got to see the Apple Watch in advance? It's extremely interesting because uh, everybody else uh, was invited to the event. And it seems like Vogue was the only one, uh, unless there's uh, more interviews coming. Uh, the only one to get invited in is they described it as a situation room yeah. at the Apple campus uh, to see the Apple Watch weeks before the event. So I would guess in August or you know sometime this summer. And it, it really says a lot about the kind of uh, uh, the kind of people that, that Apple is going after with the Apple Watch. Yeah, it does. By the way, what's it, it the is. deal? What's the deal? Sorry, Stephen. What's the deal with the with the guy with the sunglasses in in uh, in Paris? You know, well, the, the, Carl the Carl fa- Lagerfeld. Who's the who is he? He's a very very famous designer. Uh, yeah. What what mm-hmm. does he design? Clothes, fashion. Uh, I, fashion I just designer. never heard of the guy. He Carl yeah. Lagerfeld. I read something about him once. I believe this is him. Used to carry around a briefcase full of iPods, so he had all of his music Why? with him. It's like a fashion Stephen. 
He had so much music that he used to keep <laughs> keep them in a in a little briefcase. That, in that's many what iPods. I heard about him. Yep, many many different iPods. Yeah. yeah, the guy looks cool. So Stephen, you should dress like that. You should dress like that, Stephen. Where is this picture? Um, should be. A, I mean, if you go to the Verge article. It's oh, the guy with the <laughs> Stephen the older guy dressing uh-huh. like that. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll get right on that. It's Carl Carl Lagerfeld. You should totally dress like that. You'd look really and good. And carry a briefcase, a briefcase full of K-Base. Yeah, I mean, what else would I'm you I'm working on printing it out for my archives. <laughs> You're not doing that. Can we talk about the health app? Oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? I'm really so, upset. Yes, and we're going to let you rant. But a little background. At launch, Apple was pulling a bunch of health kit equipped apps because the health app itself, where health kit ties all the stuff together... Apparently, it was broken in some way. And now they have fixed it with 8.0.2 because 8.0.1 was a cluster. And now apps are out, but it's still really janky. And I don't know the point of the health app or why it exists anymore. So, Federico, what's ProBlog this for us? Okay, so the problem is that basically um, only in my, in my Twitter account... I got hundreds of uh, people that told me that the health app integration is totally broken uh, for several apps, such as uh, the Jobon app, uh, such as MyFitnessPal, such as LifeSum, which is another food tracking app. And that's been my experience as well, because uh, basically um, all the data that I, that I enter in apps such as Jobon for sleep tracking and steps or my fitness pal for food that I eat, and therefore calories and protein and you know other uh, what other um, data types, uh, they they just don't get synced to to the health app, and as far as I'm concerned, they they got lost in the process of integrating uh, these apps with the with the Apple dashboard, and it means that it's totally and completely useless right now. Even if Apple is heavily featuring apps with health integration on the App Store, and even if they um, they rolled out the health app again with the, with the, with the iOS 8 update, and personally, uh, I think that whoever is in charge of handling this uh, health rollout at Apple should be ashamed, uh, because wow. yeah, no, seriously, um, you're you're dealing with extremely personal data, and you're dealing with people like me who are trying to get back in shape after, you know, a medical condition, you're dealing with data that is not... I mean, this is way more personal than maps, which was a total disaster. I think it's fine that uh, we we can say two years after iOS 6 that maps was a disaster. And I think that Apple should apologize about uh, the Earth app in the same way, because it just doesn't work. And there's a, there's thousands of people out there or are trying to use Alta for their personal data about, you know, uh, about their fitness or about their, their food tracking apps. And it's just not working. And, and this is confirmed by the fact that if you go read, read the iOS 8.1 release notes, Apple mentions that they have a fix for, for the Alta app. So I just cannot understand how this kind of major feature that was heavily promoted at WWDC that's one of the key features of uh, the Apple Watch, can be rolled out in a, in a major iOS 8 update. And it's totally broken. And how can you, at the same time, have a feature on the App Store with apps that are supposed to sync with the Alta app, 
but they're not. And at the same time, how can you be aware of this problem because you, you, you talk about it in the iOS 8.1 beta, but you say nothing publicly. And there's people asking companies such as MyFitnessPal, such as Jobon, right. why this stuff is not working. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, the frustration is definitely something that is real and warranted, but it's not like this is unprecedented. I mean, Apple's had, you know, a history in the last several years of moving too quickly. And when they do that, software is is broken. And not just on iOS, um, on OS X as well. You know, there's a lot of, they're talking about in the chat room right now, a lot of people have been saying, you know, you know, Apple needs to have a snow leopard moment with iOS. And we're going to get to the future of iOS 8 uh, here in a little while. I can't help but look at that and look at look at health and seeing how broken it is. And, you know, HealthKit, apparently whatever was wrong with it was found very last minute because they were actively pulling apps off the store. Yeah. Clearly, they're just moving too quickly. And that's scary uh, as Apple extends its reach that if they're stretched thin now, what is going to happen in a year or two years? But they they've got to get a handle on it because... You know, Apple, they get on stage and they preach, you know, we make the hardware, the software, and the services. We're like, if the software is no good or just like people are going to think, you know, the, the danger with 801 is people think, well, I don't need to update um, iOS as soon as it comes out. I need to wait. And that's going to hurt Apple and developers in the long term when it comes to things like adoption rate because people are going to be nervous. And that's not a situation that Apple wants to find themselves in it is a situation that microsoft is in and you know, we're not going to talk about windows 10 today hopefully i'm gonna have some thoughts for next week but that's the problem with with windows and, and microsoft is so stuck in the mud because people don't update and people don't trust that new releases are going to be any good and like apple could be in that spot very quickly if they don't get a handle on this do you think that splitting the release out would benefit them in the long run what do you mean? Well, I mean, if if they if Apple release a Snow Leopard release of iOS, they're they're going to get bad press for not yeah. doing enough. Yeah, and that's and that's the that's like the fundamental problem with it is that mobile moves so quickly that if they if they let you know for now since two thousand seven they have had annual releases of iOS and if all of a sudden they do that or if like this nine to five Mac article talks about that they're going to do 8.1, 8.2, 8.3. That there there is is a downside to that, that people will think that they're moving slowly. Now, with OS X, what Apple did to alleviate that is that they didn't charge $129 for Snow Leopard. Snow Leopard was the first cheap OS X release, and then, of course, it's free now. But iOS is already free. It's like, it's sort of there, and it's a different position than OS X. And there's a lot of downsides to them doing this, but I would argue that that's a temporary press cycle thing. And like, if they release a bunch more versions of iOS that are really crappy on day one or day two or week two or month two, that's worse long term. The the funny thing is that I used to believe that Snow Snow Leopard releases were just not sexy enough for normal people. Uh, because I mean, we nerds get excited about bug fixes, but no, I was excited don't. about Snow Leopard. Me too, me too, a lot. I drove to my to my local um, UPS store to get my Snow Leopard package in advance. Um, 
I used to believe that people were not excited about bug, fi bug fixes, but since last year, um, I, I, I genuinely think that people would welcome with open arms <laughs> uh, an iOS no leopard that fixes stuff and you know gets rid of uh, home screen crashes, reboots, and other and other bugs and glitches. I have friends asking me every time an iOS update comes out whether they should update because they, they, they're constantly seeing problems, such as the Apple logo randomly showing up with a, with a home <laughs> screen crash. Yeah, uh, and they're like, should I update this time? And I'm like, you know, it, I guess it's, it, it cannot be worse than the last time. So, you know, uh, I, I think in, in the past year, especially, Apple has... Um, it's kind of, I wouldn't say destroyed, but seriously damaged their reputation for stable software. Yeah. That's not a good place to be because, yeah. you know, Android has been laughed at for years for its instability. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, also to talk about Android, like I think they're not going to slow down whether they, they focus on stability or not. And I think that's the risk for Apple. If Apple take a year to patch things up, Google will not, and and I think that 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 would that is probably why they haven't done it already. If it's why they wouldn't do it at all. So just and, to bring, I'm sorry, Stephen, go on. No, I mean you know part of this with with Apple is that they do OS 10 yearly as well, and there's a lot of us who sit kind of more on the Mac side of the fence and say, look, OS 10 yearly is too quick. And you see the same thing on OS Cinema. Yosemite Gold Master is out this week, and it's still buggy. Like, and not just like, oh, my third-party app doesn't work right. It's like Finder still quits, and I have to reboot my machine so I can do things. You know, across the board, I think the the company is moving too quickly in, in the software side of things. And you know, this this nine to five article is really interesting of saying that you know eight could be the the version of iOS that does slow down that they're going to have sort of more major releases of 8.2 and 8.3 and maybe iPad multitasking comes at some point and maybe you know Apple Pay comes at some point and the Yosemite stuff and like like yes that's like less exciting but if Apple has a a point update once a quarter that adds something you know you kind of get you know you get fewer features at once but maybe you get a better baked feature you know every so often as opposed to just oh, a bunch of new stuff eh, all at once. Because, you know, part of this is, like, there's still stuff that iOS 7 introduced that developers aren't really taking advantage of because there's so much stuff. Like, if in two months they say, okay, you know, this is when this feature is coming out and developers maybe can keep up better as well. I don't know if, if this point one point two point three thing means that they're shifting. I think it's just if you think about what they could potentially be updating for, it makes sense to me. Like, point one is to fix eight point two is for whatever the ipad might have in it point three could be for apple pay or to prepare for the watch so i don't necessarily think that it means they're going to slow down it's just they will give a point release to these big things that they're going to be integrating anyway that we already know about that they couldn't do without adding some software features i i get the thinking around it but to me personally this doesn't say that oh they're not going to have nine next year because I think they still will. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It, you know, you're definitely right. This could just be a side effect of everything else that Apple has going on. Because right now, as far as we know, iOS 8.0.2 doesn't have support for the watch in it, you know, that, we, that we're aware of. 
Well, I just, Steve, I just Steve wanna... Trout and Smith would have already pulled it apart. Otherwise, we'd, true. we'd not. I just wanted to conclude this segment about the Earth app by um, just saying that the, the, the app that Apple is promoting to, to let your doctor have access to your personal health data is broken. And that really says a lot about, I guess, uh, the QA process at Apple. Yeah, it's bad news. And it hurts health and health kit as sort of a sub-brand. Like, so this is my first phone with a motion coprocessor. So I've got underscores pedometer plus plus on it. And it's really great. But the health app can do that as well. And it's all the exact same data because it's coming from the M8. And, you know, I find myself using, I've got David's app on my second home screen because I, it, it does the one thing and does it really well. And maybe that will change when health like can start integrating all the stuff and build a more complete picture. But right now, like health is stuffed off in a folder somewhere because it's not doing anything valuable at this point. And if that is the case for another two or three months, I'm going to write health off. Like I've written past book and uh, the Apple stocks widget and all those other apps that Apple bundles that no one wants to use. Uh, I'm kind of feel more confident in underscore <laughs> to, to give oh, me yeah. that correctly. <laughs> Right, should we take a break and uh, thank our sponsor for this week? Let's do it. So I want to take a moment to thank our friends over at Smile for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected. And I want to talk to you about Text Expander Touch. Text Expander Touch is something that will save you time and effort by allowing you to expand short abbreviations into frequently used text. This can be for a bunch of different things. Maybe you want to be on your iPhone and you want to be able to send an email that has your shipping address in it. Well, Text Expander Touch is going to let you do that because it's going to sync over all of your Text Expander snippets that you have on the Mac. Maybe you have email signatures that you like to use a lot and you want to throw them into mail or maybe you have a text message, like a canned text message that you send out a bunch. Well, Text Expander can allow you to do all of this really easily and it just makes it so simple. It's just easy. You don't have to continue to type the same thing over and over and over again. The power of Text Expander on your Mac can also be on your iPhone too. You can sync all of these snippets via Dropbox, as I mentioned. And this means that the snippets you have on your Mac, the snippets you have on your phone, they're all going to stay in sync together. And you can access your snippets in a bunch of third-party applications like OmniFocus, Day One, Fantastical, Drafts, Launch Center Pro, Editorial, and so many more. Loads of our favorite applications. They have support for Text Expander snippets built right in. Now, this is also how it's been in, in the past. You know, you've, this has been a great thing that's that's happened. We've been able to get this integration, and devs have had to include it in some way. You know, so you've been relying on your third-party applications to enable it. But now we have something really cool with iOS 8. We have text, with Text Expander Touch 3, we have the Text Expander Custom Keyboard. So you're able to expand these abbreviations in all of your apps on your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod Touch. So if, even if an app now doesn't support Text Expander snippets directly, you can switch over to the Text Expander keyboard and you can type in your little, the, the little uh, abbreviation that you have and it will expand into whatever it is you've got it set to. This is something that simply just could not be done before iOS 8. And the Text Expander keyboard has quickly become one of my favorite new features because I'm able to just get at my snippets from everywhere. And Text Expander Touch respects your privacy. And this is something that you can count on with Smile. When they ask you for full access of the keyboard, they do this so they can access the snippet data that lives inside of the main app. Now, full access does also mean it needs the access to the application. It's not doing anything crazy like phoning home. 
and giving all of your information over to somebody else. Smile, respect your privacy. They've updated their privacy policy accordingly and you can read this on their website if it's something that concerns you. I love this keyboard. It's made such an improvement to the way that I'm working on iOS. Uh, One of the things that I also love is that they observe lowercase and uppercase on the keyboard, so you don't have to keep second-guessing that shift key all the time. So go right now to the App Store and grab the new Text Expander Touch Free and start saving time today. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of Connected and Relay FM. Text Expander Touch we're going to go back to our roots today and talk about photo management. Yay! Not again? Really? Yep. So oh, there's God. a link in the chat room in the show notes to the uh, K-Base, which you guys made fun of me on the other day on Twitter. Uh, you might have noticed in iOS 8 that the camera roll is gone, which is weird because the camera roll has been around since the very first build of iPhone OS. And kind of what they've done, they've replaced it with something called Recently Added, and more or less, they have smashed camera roll and photo stream together. It's the worst. Which thing is ever. weird. It's just so bad. So why do you not like it? It does. It's, I think there's part of it in this is what I'm used to, but to me, the camera roll and photo stream are separate. Right. What what I want to get to a bunch of times is the pictures I've taken on this camera that I have not yeah. deleted. That's what I'm well, looking for. Yeah. Well, Apple agrees with you because apparently in the 8.1 beta, the camera roll is back. But <laughs> yeah. this is still an interesting conversation. Why did you th- Why do you think they did it? Do you think it was just because iCloud Photo Library, right? So it's just kind so, of like yeah, changing so things I, up? So I think it's... Th- so when iCloud Photo Library comes out, it's basically going to be iTunes match for your photos that they're not all stored locally, but... You can kind of air quote stream your photos to your device and tap on it, pull it down. But part of that is based on the idea of blurring the line of what's stored locally and what's not. And that's kind of what Recently Added does. So, Recently Added, I can take a picture on my iPhone and it's there. But if I take a picture on my iPad, it's also in Recently Added on both devices. It's it's anything new into my photo library. It's the last thousand. Uh, like it was on PhotoStream. I get that, but I, I agree with you that I do want a filter, you know, or the camera roll showing these. This is just what I've taken just on my this device, and like PhotoStream is still great, but it's a little confusing because not everything is we expect it to be. And a lot of third-party apps look for camera roll specifically and like do weird things and recently added like double everything up. Yeah, Instagram is so upset. Like it's just like doing weird things. I have an image which shows as the first image whenever I open Instagram, like, you know, you, you, when you press the button to open up the camera app and it will show you the most recently taken photo. It's a photo I took like three months ago and it won't go away and it's not even in my camera roll anymore, but Instagram thinks it's there and it has two of every photo. It's just so sad. Yeah, it's it's weird, and you know, part of this is obviously gearing up for the iCloud Photos app. Which um, there's an article from iMore in the show notes that talks a little bit about that and maybe how this transition will be. But again, this is one of those weird things of like Apple's doing this, and you can even turn on the iCloud Photo beta on your iOS device if you're lucky. It doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't like, work for me. It doesn't work for me either. But like that doesn't go anywhere because the Mac side isn't ready yet. It's like 
again, it's Apple needs all these things to move forward at the same time, and they're sort of, you know, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, not really knowing about each other, and it makes for an awkward user experience. iCloud Photo Library totally works for me. Just letting you know. Did you see the 95 Mac rumor that there's going to be probably an iCloud for a library web app on iCloud.com? That'd be nice. That would make sense. Yeah. That would definitely make sense. Yeah, I actually Ah. prefer many of the iCloud web apps to to the desktop apps. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, Steven. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) I know that you like the desktop. Just keep apologizing. Yeah, that would be great. You know, on the this past week's episode of Upgrade with Jason Snell, uh, Mike, you and he were speaking about the problem of like your Dropbox is bigger than your SSD. And part of that, Jason said, Dropbox is kind of a bad photo management solution. And, you know, we talked a lot about it. Um, there's, you know, writing on both Federico's site and my site about Dropbox as a photo management solution. But he's not wrong because like there's no interface for it. You're just using the finder and that's sort of janky. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to and I'm going to give the i the iCloud photo thing. I'm going to give it a real shot because I do I do miss aspects of iPhoto. Now iPhoto is a miserable piece of software that thankfully is going away. But it the idea that I can visually see all my photos and sort through them and and filter like that's going to be great. I mean, I've got like 70 gigs of photos on Dropbox and it's, they're all in folders and I can just like blast through them and Finder. but it's not, that's a photo storage solution. I'm learning more and more. That's not a photo management solution. And so I'm excited for Apple to do this, but for now it's awkward on iOS. Yeah. Like I've had a bunch of people, um, like ask me why I'm doing it. Like having uh, said, having said it on upgrade, and saying to me, you know, people tell me I should try Picture Live. And um, my, I've been thinking about this. And my concern is that I just am not confident that a company can exist and just do photos, like, as a thing. Not if we talk about them. Exactly. I feel like it's something that you do as part of another part of your business. Like, Apple can do it and Google can do it and Yahoo can do it because it's like an, an added, like a value add to something because else that you feature. do. it's a feature. Yeah, it's a feature. That's it. That's exactly it. It's a feature. It's not your business because it seems that most of the companies that have tried to do this, even the ones that we thought were popular, are folded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to switch to, to the iCloud for library full-time as well and see, see how it works. I'm just concerned about importing like... 10 gigs of photos. Yeah, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I'm probably going to use my Mac Mini. Um, actually, it will be my server, so I, I would need to ask my developer. You know, I will figure it out. I will use my Mac Mini to, to upload yeah. my photos because my Italian connection, yeah. you know. I'm going to do the same would, thing. <laughs> iOS 10 comes out and I'm still uploading photos. Uh, yeah. Th- there's, I could just imagine that somehow accidentally all of Federico's family photos get posted to Mac Stories. I don't think you know how... <laughs> Websites work. Oh, I know exactly how websites work. Well, yeah, for us, it'll be, I mean, our streaming is at Mac Mini Colo, so we can just use that machine. Uh, there's there's a funny tweet that Kyle the Gray put in uh, the, the um, chat room. It's uh, uh, from Nick Poems. I wanted to see if Apple updated the spinning beach ball, so I opened iPhone to freeze my computer. It wasn't updated, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a little, a little sad. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, iPhoto comes from a world where 
the digital hub strategy still made sense where I have a computer and that is the nexus, that is the sun and all my other things with the planets. And I go and I put photos there and I look at photos there and I deal with them there. But now like, you know, I want pictures of my kids on my iPad. So if I go see a family member, I can show them those pictures. Same thing with my phone. And I think iCloud photo could solve that problem where, you know, now one advantage of using Dropbox is if I need an image that I don't haven't synced over to the Photos app, I can open the Dropbox app and find it. Now, of course, that's a little janky. Or you can use something like Unbound. But Apple doing this themselves in the Photos app theoretically will work much better as long as it doesn't require HealthKit. Bada-ching. <laughs> my, my, my only concern is that this is going to be like iTunes Match, for instance. We all try to switch to iTunes Match full-time, and basically, by, at the end of the day, the only one left using iTunes Match is Steven, because I, a third-party solution is better. So that's my, my concern, is that I'm going to switch to iCloud Library full-time, and then two months later, I'm back to picture life. Just like I'm back to... Well, actually, you know, I'm using Beats Music, so maybe there's a chance that I will, I will keep using a first-party app. For, for this task. I don't know. It's not technically first party. It's second party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. I'm sure there's an actual definition of a second party app. I, I think, Mike, can, can I have a video game reference? Yes. When Microsoft bought uh, Rare Studios, um, I think people were calling it a second party um, company to, to Microsoft. Yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, the Pokemon company to Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How you yeah, doing? Got, How you doing, Stephen? Apple's got a couple of those. Yeah. FileMaker. Oh back yeah. Back in the day. Exactly. Back in the yeah, day, Claris sure. works, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> um. All right. So I think that's that's PhotoStream. It's going to get better in eight point one, but then I'm sure it's going to be weird again. The big topic today, though, is not so much a topic, <laughs> but sort of an interrogation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to read what the topic says in our document. Why does Federico use the official Twitter app? Question mark. And then all capital letters or why Federico used to, used to use the Twitter app every day. So, okay, we, we were going to talk about this. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago that we were going to have this episode. And then obviously Tweetbot 3.5 got released today. So I'm sure that that's going to change the discussion somewhat. But I'm still very interested to to try and talk to you Federico about this how when did you switch from tweetbot to the official app i guess um sometime in august right. early august yeah why for a couple of reasons um the, the main reason is that uh too often i think in our in our circle in our you know, a small corner of, of the web. We take uh, software for granted in a way that makes us blind to alternatives. We, for instance, we know that Tweetbot is the best Twitter client, so we just don't try anything else. Or we know that Reader is the best RSS client for the, for iOS, so we just use Reader, and we are uh, we're, we're always skeptical, you know, about other apps. And, and I think one of the, the best things of the App Store is that it's incredibly uh, democratic in the way that it lets everybody make software. So I'm always curious to, to try apps. 
And uh, I've been, I, I was, you know, from my stories I was following, I, I'm always following updates to, to major apps such as, I don't know, Facebook or, you know, the iWork and, of course, Twitter. And back when Twitter bought Tweety and turned it into Twitter for iPhone and we remember various episodes of Twitter uh, adding stuff to Tweety, um, you know, I, I was extremely... Uh, disappointed to see uh, Tweety turned into something that I didn't like. So I switched to Tweetbot and I used Tweetbot for two or three years. And this year, I, I, I got curious to see the kind of updates that uh, Twitter uh, was adding to, to their official app. Because um, the app has changed a lot over the years. And Twitter as a company has changed a lot. So being Twitter perhaps uh, the social network that I've used the most in my entire life. Um, it, felt, it felt silly to me not to at least consider the official app of a service that I use every day, basically 16 hours a day. And the service that, I, that I, you know, uh, thanks to Twitter, I, I, I got to know you guys. And thanks to Twitter, I got to know my readers or, you know, colleagues at Mac Stories. And it just seems uh, it just seems short-sighted to me to to ignore Twitter, the Twitter app, just because uh, tech geeks think that Tweetbot is better, and we shouldn't try the official app because it's evil and it's bad. So I decided to switch. You know, uh, I was intrigued by the the all the features that Twitter uh, was not making available to third-party developers. And the second reason is that I was uh, putting together uh, our new Mac Stories Weekly newsletter. And I really, really wanted to try the Twitter cards integration uh, for uh, signing up to the newsletter. So, uh, you know, uh, Twitter doesn't, it's not the kind of app that, or the kind of service that I need to, uh, that I need to be locked into. I can switch Twitter clients and my tweets will always be there. I can switch Twitter apps and my timeline will always be the same. So it's not a, a major problem for me to switch from Tweetbot to, to Twitter app. But I felt like it was really necessary for me to get a... In order to get a good understanding of the Twitter app, I really need... I needed to go full... <laughs> full official <laughs> with the <laughs> with with the Twitter app. So I just deleted Tweetbot and I and I started using uh, Twitter on my on my iPhone and uh, I think a couple of weeks later on the iPad. It, it was it was harder for me to to move away from Tweetbot on the iPad because I really use that app every day on my iPad all the time. That's and sad. And <laughs> just you know just muscle memory um, it was it was super difficult for me to, to to learn a new interface and uh, you know to cope with new limitations and and it was quite a process to go through and and it seems silly and it seems just you know one of those first world problems because it's just Twitter right most people don't care and but for me I'm using Twitter like I said when I wake up it's it's the first app that I open because I want to see my mentions and my messages. And it's the last app I close when I go when I go to sleep. So I I live and breathe in Twitter, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, it, it 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 was difficult to to switch. But I also learned a lot a lot of things, Mike. So um, 
go on and ask me. I know that you that you guys have many questions, and mm-hmm. I know that Stephen was upset when, when I was not using Tweetbot. <laughs> so, we all so were. I'm just looking out for you, buddy. Just so, go I on. Mean, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I think before the questions, I mean, I think what you said about wanting to know what the Twitter app is like is important, but it's also learning what Twitter itself is like. You know, it's the third-party clients, and I have a conspiracy theory about third-party Twitter clients we'll talk about at the end of this, but you don't really see what Twitter is doing as a company, as a platform, in a third-party app the way you do in their own first-party app. You know, you mentioned Twitter cards. Like, that's not a thing that TweetBot does. And to really understand how you can put content into Twitter and how people can engage with that, you had to use their their application. So I think it's a really fair thing to experiment with. And I've done the same thing about once a month. I, I try it for a little while and usually rage quit it. But um, <laughs> anyways, Mike, to your questions. Ads, do they not drive you crazy? Well, it's the, the strange thing. I, I haven't seen a single ad in my timeline. Mm. Now, I, I don't know how this is possible. I don't know why this is happening to me. Uh, it could be that I'm using uh, Twitter in English, and but I live in Italy, so there's a weird disconnect. That's probably why my engagement, I guess, yeah. with brands. I don't know. Uh, I just never seen a single ad in my timeline. I see a promoted tweet or a promoted account every time I switch to this, the Discover tab in the you know in the in Twitter for iPhone. Uh, I don't see the promoter account on the iPad for some reason. You're pro- uh, you've probably forced yourself into a not very well bought demographic. A very weird edge case. Yeah, and yeah, the Italian guy who uses Twitter in English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So that's probably why you're not seeing it as much. If I saw I saw screenshots of people telling me why are you not going insane with the ads? Here's what I see, and they have these crazy advertisements for apps and games. Yeah, and there's a button to install. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Probably my my reaction would be would be different if yeah. I, if I had all these ads in my timeline. Now the thing that drives me the craziest more than the ads because I can live with ads. Like it's you know, I mean without. We all do it, but a lot of Twitter is just advertising anyway, like people talking about the thing that they're doing. Which <laughs> so it's it's not too much of a problem for me to see people ads. Are, people retweeting, yeah. People who talk yeah. about them, yeah. In case you missed it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, but the conversations thing drives me the craziest. So this is where like someone will post a tweet and all of the responses to that tweet get grouped up together, they're like threaded together like it's comments, right? Now, the way that that I work with, the way that I read Twitter makes this kind of weird because what I will tend to see is Federico will ask a question on Twitter and I'll be scoring through and then I might see like five tweets later, Stephen replies, Matt replies, Jason replies, like I, you know, I start to see them. But with the way that this this feature works, it groups them together. So as I'm scrolling like reverse chronologically as I do from my last position up, I will see like Jason replying, Stephen replying, Matt replying, then Federico's tweet. And that to me makes literally no sense. See, that was that was strange for me to initially coming from years and years of tweet bot. 
seeing uh, an older tweet being pushed up in the timeline was super strange. And after sticking to the app for two months, um, I, I have to say it kind of makes sense. Um, because I found that when I'm using TweetBot and when I see a reply to an older tweet, I tend to ignore the original tweet. Whereas with the Twitter app, yes, I see the, the older tweet multiple times because every time a person replies to that tweet, uh, the tweet gets pushed up in the timeline. But also the side effect is that I'm, I hate to say this word, but I'm more engaged with the original tweet and yes, hate me because I use that word, but you know, Twitter You're likes to use it. You're just increasing your brand reachability. Yeah, <laughs> reachability, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, I I I see the tweet multiple times, and and in in practical uh, usage, I found um, interesting links or interesting questions that I wanted to know the, the answers to. Uh, thanks to the blue line and the, the, the you know the, the replies on the in the Twitter app, and yes, it still drives me crazy sometimes that I'm scrolling my timeline for I don't know 20 minutes ago, and then I see a tweet for from like 12 hours ago, <laughs> and but it also helped me find a bunch of tweets that I that I liked, and so p there's probably a better way to display that sort of stuff, maybe to make the tweet smaller or not to use a blue line with a, with the little dots because it, from a, from a design perspective it's a little weird and it could be better but i think there is a there is a a seed to to this idea that it's not that bad all right tell me some of the things that you like about the official apps that you haven't mentioned already well the twitter cards have been huge for my stories um so this is one of those features that you really don't get when you use a third-party client. And a Twitter cards is um, is this is, is not a single feature. is a is a is a series is a set of um, of ways to display tweets in different ways. So basically, the underlying concept is that tweets are no longer just text. Uh, tweets can be you know of course images, but also they can be interactive cards, interactive little boxes that you that you can click into that you can you know there's a, there, there can be snippets of web articles there, there can be image galleries they can be sign up forms for newsletter so um for Mac stories weekly we we support uh, the mailchimp uh, twitter card which lets us uh, basically directly in in the twitter app or the twitter website you can sign up to our news to our newsletter by entering your email directly in Twitter, and there's this interactive card that does everything for you. You don't have to go to a website. You don't have to, you know, to confirm stuff externally with other services. It just happens directly into Twitter. And besides the newsletter, uh, Twitter cards have also been great for Mac stories, for the articles that we push out every day. Um, we support the, um, I think it's called... Uh, reach preview or something basically um each article as a as a text snippet and uh the first image or you know not always the first image but you can decide to create this uh reach snippet of a for an article that basically shows you a photo uh a couple of sentences and the post title so in practical terms it means that our readers uh can see whether an article is interesting before clicking 
And you could say, yeah, but that's a problem. And, and I totally agree because, you, you know, uh, without the preview, you always get the click because people are curious. But the side effect is that sometimes people don't, don't click anyway. So the richer, uh, the richer the preview, the higher the chances that someone is going to click. And, and, you know, because maybe they like the screenshot or maybe because they, they, they like those couple of sentences that get pushed into, into, the, into the tweet. And there's a, a bunch of other uh, features for cards that, are, that, are, that I've tried, but these two are the ones that, you know, stood out the most to me. And this is something that you really, really don't get when you, when you use a, a third-party app because you just see a cards.twitter.com link and you, 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 you cannot do anything else. You need to go to the web. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely understand that being a positive, especially as someone who is, you know, producing content to share on Twitter. But there's a lot of things like I dislike that I can see what people favor. Like the whole discovery tab seems really crazy to me that, oh, I can go and see that Federico favorited something that, you know, this other person said. And and I think that's, you know, probably obviously a minority opinion that people do like that sort of thing. But to me, my, the problem with the Twitter app is there's so much noise that there's so much stuff that it does it's beyond what Tweetbot or Twitterific do that doesn't add any value to me. If those things were valuable, I would be there, but I find them just to be noisy distractions. Well, they're definitely different from the kind of experience that you get in Tweetbot or Twitterific. And I also think that those apps are, they reflect the way that Twitter used to be and the way that we think of Twitter, uh, but the real Twitter it's not that experience anymore. And uh, it looks like... I, I think that the kind of experience will, will not last forever. So, uh, I, and I hate to say it because I, I, I love Tweetbot so much. And in fact, I, you know, today there's Tweetbot 3.5 and I'm going to talk about this in a bit. Um, but I think, I also, I, I think that it was, it was a good choice for me to... To, to try the Twitter app because it kind of prepared me to what may happen someday and the transition may not be that uh, terrible for me because I know what I'm running into. I wanted to ask you quickly about the cards though because it seems very much like I ask you what's good about it and, and you tell me a feature that's good for your website. Like, Is that... Do you like cards because they're good for Mac stories or do they really make your experience of reading Twitter better? I know they also work for me personally, okay. uh, besides Mac stories, because uh, um, when I, I follow a lot of websites on Twitter. I follow, I think, more than a thousand accounts. So I, I, I get a lot of news in my timeline. And with, with the cards preview, um, I can get an idea of an article before I click. So I and especially in the in the Twitter, in Twitter for iOS, web views are uh, they 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 are full screen. They interrupt you every time you click a link. You need to wait for the web page to load. So when you use cards, you get uh, you can get a, a richer preview, so you can instantly know whether you want to yes, I want to go ahead and click this article and open the web view, or no, I just want to go back to my timeline. So there, besides make stories that have been useful. For, to me from a, a user perspective. Okay. 
Is there anything else specific that you want to talk about before we talk about Tweetbot in regards to Twitter, the, like the official service? Yes, the new profile view. Okay. I think I think it's really awesome. What and, do you like about uh, it? It was launched. Uh, it was launched a couple of weeks ago, and I like its simplicity and its obviousness once you use it. Because uh, in this new profile view on the iPhone, you get three tabs to switch between all your tweets, all your photos, and all your favorites. And it's just so simple, and it makes just so much sense to see all the tweets from a user, all your, all of all of their photos, and all of their favorite tweets. And especially the photos tab has been uh, has been a, a, a revelation for me, because I, I, you know, even just going to my own profile, I, I can scroll back and see all the photos that I ever shared on Twitter, and that's not possible with the, with the, with other apps. And uh, yeah, it's 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 so simple but so nicely done, and and I kind of wish that Tweetbot had that sort of feature. Even if Tweetbot, of course, has many other things. So yeah, because it yeah. only shows a grid of like what twelve or something of your yeah. most recent photos. Yeah, and I think that's an API problem, possibly. I don't know. And of course, if you do that, you can do that magical thing on the connected FM Twitter account, <laughs> which yeah. also sort of works in Tweetbot for iOS, but not as much fun. You know, I think I think the point about the things that Tweetbot does do, it, for me at least, is it's why I'm there. The, the muting is so good that it syncs with, you know, settings over to the Mac and iPad and everything. And Tweetbot does do a lot of things. And I agree with you, Federico. It is a client from a past version of Twitter. And, you know, what was it? Two or three years ago, they had that, that talk with the quadrant and like, don't make Twitter apps anymore. And yeah, hundred thousand user tokens. And it, it definitely has slowed down. And I mean, I think, I can imagine that might be part of the factor when it comes to Tweetbot for iPad not being updated. But like, I can't help but think that you know Twitter could come in and shut all this down, right? They could lock everybody into using their app and their version of what Twitter should be as a service, which is a, a vision that I personally disagree with. I like the old version much better. I think the new one does a lot of things that aren't particularly interesting, uh, but just get in the way. But I can't help but wonder, like, does Twitter keep things like Tweetbot and Twitterific around, keep them working, kind of keep them limping along to keep people like me on Twitter? And, I mean, if I had to use the the first-party app, like, I would still use Twitter. I'm not saying that I would leave because of that decision. But I can't help but... You should but, go to app.net. Yeah, let's go to app.net. Um, but I can't help but think that they allow these third-party sort of legacy-type apps to continue to work to help kind of create a little a little nook for these hardcore original users to stay happy. And they sort of pacify us by saying, yeah, you can use your app that does all these crazy things. You're not going to get a bunch of new stuff, but that's okay because you don't want the new stuff. Yeah, I guess it, uh, that's my idea as well. At, at some point, the API is going to break eventually, I guess. Um, there's going to be some legacy support for APIs for at least a couple of years. And we will we will be happy you know, using our legacy clients. and But but I do think that, you know, Twitter doesn't care about people like yeah. us who, well, I who think swear there, by Tweetbot. I think there's a level of, of cluelessness too. I mean, you know, we went, Mike and I went with a bunch of the people at WDC. We watched the keynote live at 
Twitter, which is really cool and very cool Twitter to invite us. But it, they had a presentation before like the Apple keynote started, and like this this woman was walking through like the iOS versions of the Twitter app, which is like the audience in that room. I promise you, a very small percentage of them maybe were using the first party client. Like you're speaking to Tweetbot and Twitterific users, and you're like, yeah, like we bought Tweety and then we ruined it. And it's like, it's, it was tone deaf in the room. And I look at Twitter and I look about the people like me and people who use Twitter like I do. And there is a level of like tone deafness to what at least the original users want. Now I understand that I'm not like Twitter doesn't care about me, right? Like they need to grow and they're a public company and they need to, to keep investors happy and they need to keep the numbers getting bigger and bigger. And so clearly that's what this is all about. And a lot of what Twitter's done over the last couple of years is specifically targeted towards people with brands. And that's fine. Like I don't begrudge them trying to make a living, but there is that sort of like friction of Twitter used to be this thing and now it's not that thing anymore, but it still kind of is that thing if you use the right app. And it's a very awkward thing. And I think you using the Twitter app for you know the last couple of months like i think that really highlights that friction and that there is a t- two different worlds within twitter and the world that we know and that we knew is slowly fading yeah and see that's a that's a problem that's very unique to twitter uh, because you do, at least i i never seen people complaining about uh, a facebook client that doesn't work because the facebook uh, first party app is more supported um it seems to me that Twitter is the, in this unique position of having uh, this kind of split user base. And, you know, there's a... It was a bed that they made, though. I mean, the, reason, yeah. the reason we don't have that on Facebook is because they don't have an API. Well, they have some kind of API. Yeah, but they, they don't have an API in which you could create a third-party client. Right, not like Twitter does. I mean, they have things to share to Facebook, but it's a different level of access than what TweetBot has for Twitter. The, the Twitter API gives pretty much full access to the service with some exclusions, or at least it used to, and Facebook have never had that. That's why we don't see many other companies with this problem. I guess that, that also because Twitter seems to to be the more geek-friendly social network out there. It's geek-friendly because of the API. <laughs> like, that is yeah, why. Yeah, I think it is geek-friendly because of the, of the concept of Twitter. And, you know, because it's short status messages, it's meant for sharing. I mean, it's great for sharing links and it's great for, you know, search. It's got all these features that that seem to me to be extremely geek-friendly. And maybe it's because of the history of Twitter, you know, um, uh, the the, the user base uh, shaped Twitter and many of its conventions, whereas Facebook just kind of became popular. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 um I could be wrong, but it, but it seems to me that the, the, there was an audience of designers and developers making Twitter what it is today, and therefore it's just not an API problem. It's also a, I guess a, a culture problem of these two user bases in Twitter uh, that you know the, the the tech geeks and the people who know Tweetbot and the rest of the world. And and it's interesting and definitely using using the first party Twitter app um, kind of made me see uh, you know these differences and I know many other people even in our in our little corner of the web using Twitter as their main app I saw uh, a bunch of tweets lately from 
Yeah, I don't remember the people, but I, I, I saw some people. I see people, you know. Cable and, uh, Sasa famously uses the official app. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, nice. And I think Seth Clifford uh, asked the same question too. Um, so, yeah, using Twitter made me more conscious of the kind of features that everybody else sees in Twitter. And I kind of I kinda get Twitter more now because I... I use this thing every day. But also, the, the consequence of that is that the changes introduced in Tweetbot 3.5 today uh, make me really, really happy. And uh, so since last week, I've been using Tweetbot <laughs> as my main client again. And, you know, I'm in love with Tweetbot. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's the, it's the app that I know. It's the app that I... Uh, that I saw evolve from from the first version from the first beta that I got three years ago, and it's got all these geeky features that I love. It's got sync of my timeline, which was driving me crazy uh, in Twitter for iOS. Uh, it's got extensions in iOS eight, uh, so it makes me more productive because I you know I follow a lot of websites. I need to find a lot of links, and now I can save those links with extensions, and it's great. And, and it's got that attention to, to the geeky details that I appreciate. Um, but like I said, I, 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 I'm, I fear that it's going away, that it's going to die eventually. And um, so I'm using it, but it, it feels like feels like one of those relationship, relationships that are, that are doomed. So I have, a, I have a thought exercise. Okay. So I was thinking about this today. Um, we are all concerned, maybe not you anymore, Federico, but there is a growing concern that our Twitter, right, that we use, us nerds, is doomed and bound by the official Twitter app. I, I was thinking about Tweetbot and the fact that we all use Tweetbot and when we want to wait for Tweetbot to do something, we are bound by Tatbots and whatever they want to do. So we all want a better iPad client, but we need to wait for Tweetbot on the iPad, which we've waited for. Um, we, you know, Everybody expected it, whether it should, have, should or should not have been made. It was that people expected it to come a year ago, um, and it will be coming at some point now in the, in the not-too-distant future. But So Twitter, the company has put you know Twitter users and Twitter developers into a situation where third party apps cannot exist anymore so there is no longer any competition tapbots kind of has this market sewn up is and so there's nobody pushing them so they're not really necessarily pushed to develop any faster twitter's not making it any easier for them but is tapbots's current domination of this part of the market to a large extent, as damaging to our Twitter world as the official app is? Are we being restricted by them or Twitter, depending on ever, however we look at it? That's a great question, Mike. Um, I think that many many of us, uh, that's, that's the problem that I was talking about uh, when we started this discussion. Um, we tend to to think of Twitter as Tweetbot. And we are 
we're concerned and we are afraid to try the Twitter app uh, because we think that everything we, we need is in TweetBot. And so if TapBots doesn't update TweetBot, uh, it means that Twitter for this you know, group of nerds uh, is not evolving, is not growing mm -hmm. because you know, uh, we're still using TweetBot on the iPad for iOS 6. And it's such a strange situation because on the one hand, you have a, you have a big company that has an app you don't like and that is making changes you, you don't like because you're, you're, a, you're a nerd and you, know, you don't want ads, you don't want to follow celebrities. You know? And on the other hand, you have these developers that you love, uh, but they, you know, they, they are slow, they take their time, there's still no uh, new Tweetbot app for the iPad. This might be like nostalgia, but I feel like they used to be faster. Yeah, I don't know. I know it's an Probably, unpopular yeah. view, right? Because I'm kind of criticizing a well-loved third-party developer and people don't like that. Uh, I can tell it's you making you uncomfortable. But it, it's merely a thought that I'm having. Is that, and, and I don't begrudge them for it. They are not necessarily incentivized and nobody's pushing them. So they can Could work be, at the pace that they want to work at. Could it be, so let me just say this, could it be that because many tech nerds don't get the iPad as a device, uh, they're less incentivized to update TweetBot for the iPad? Because that, that, that personally, I think that that's a problem with many other apps that I'm using. Because, the, you know... Uh, uh, the, the typical iOS and Mac nerd uses a Mac and the iPhone. The iPad seems to be the kind of device that normal people use, you know? Like my dad uses the iPad. and Or I use the iPad because I'm, I'm just strange like that. Uh, but, you know, developers cannot program on the iPad. So j they just use a Mac and an iPhone to try iOS apps. But the fact that they are working on it now proves that there was at least an incentive enough financially for them to do it in the first place? Well, maybe it's disincentive from Twitter that if Twitter has already come down and said, look, like this is the situation, I could see not wanting to make an investment until, you know, a set amount of time has passed and you feel safe about that investment. You know, it's expensive to make an app and you make it in the Twitter or the company that like Twitter pulls the plug on Tweetbot, like Tweetbot is dead, like no way around it. And so I can understand a hesitancy to spend a lot of time and effort on it, you know, forgetting all the other market forces. Like if Twitter pushes the button, then you're just SOL. Yes, but then on that same view, would it not be beneficial to try and get as much money out of it now before they pull the plug and you've not had the opportunity to do it at all? Maybe. And maybe that's what they've done with charging. I mean, they charge for three, I think, partially for that reason. Yeah. It's complicated. I mean, it's complicated. It is complicated. And I, and I, don't, I don't envy anyone's position where you are building something or you're creating something that is solely, like, it's dependent on someone else. Someone else has all the power. It's a terrible situation like, to be. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, and I want to make it clear, I am a big fan of the work of TapBots in general. But it was it was merely just a like you know we are concerned about what Twitter's doing, but I just wonder like we are also kind of in our third party world we're kind of bound by one company now too, and and I was just thinking about this because Poor I mean Twitterific. It, it, well yeah but you didn't even mention them well it's just not the app that it just 
Twitterific fundamentally does things not the way that I like, so it's not an app that I use. It's been available to me. I've tried them out a bunch of times, and, and we spoke about it on the prompt. There's things that they do, like with the way that timelines refresh. They just simply, for me, when I wake up in the morning, it does not pull in all the tweets. It just well, it just does not do it. Fundamentally, yeah. it will break somewhere, and that is a huge thing for me for why I don't consider them. And also, I mean, I do, it is a shame because they used to be the best, but they're not considered the best anymore. Yeah, and I can, I can tell you, uh, based on my audience, uh, people go crazy with Tweetbot news. Just, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and it's by far the most, at least from what I see, but, you know, in, in five years of Mac stories, I think that my, you know, the stuff that I see tends to be pretty representative of this kind of audience. Uh, Tweetbot is huge among, among our, you know, uh, circle of people on the web. And uh I feel like I, I see like people using Twitterific as much as I see people using Twitter.app. Like just this is very anecdotal. But like when I see people using it, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I I kinda I don't want to say this and uh, uh and it's very sad, but uh, in the end uh, I just think that uh, you know we don't matter to, to Twitter. And this problem of third-party Twitter clients, uh, I think that to most people is absurd. And, and, and it just doesn't matter. Because, okay, yes, it's probably, what, one or two million people who are going to be upset yeah. because an API is going to break. Does that matter in the, in, the, in the big picture of Twitter trying to let the world communicate? Uh, it's sad because I mean I make a living out of apps and 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 I've been using Tweetbot for years and I just think that you know we don't matter. It's just an API and API breaks and API stop work. APIs stop working and eventually we will remember you know this kind of stuff as much as Steven remembers apps for the classic macOS. <laughs> we get our Tweetbot tattoos. Too late, bro. <laughs> I think that that does lend into what Stephen was saying about the conspiracy idea, right? We just we just don't matter to Twitter, yeah, like yeah. so they're just like just let those guys have their thing because they're just not important to us. There's a, there yeah. is a potential, and, and I think I hope that that's how they feel, uh, and that there's not like a calendar, and every day they take one more day away, which is counting down <laughs> to zero. Definitely do. You That's know. why security was so tight when we were there. They're high in the calendar well, room. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the only the only encouraging rumor that I saw is that uh, there is the Twitter developer conference coming up. And I saw a rumor, I think on TechCrunch or some other tech blog, I can remember, of this new developer technology called Twitter Fabric, which is supposedly a new set of APIs for developers to build Twitter apps. That feels now, like that will replace the current set. Exactly. So That's uh, not a good thing. It's a terrible <laughs> thing. Yes. So <laughs> I saw people kind of optimistic about, oh, new Twitter fabric. This means good news. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, probably going to be the, you know, the current APIs are going to be replaced. That's and fine. That's going to be fun. Just, yeah. It's just find and replace the next code. Just done. <laughs> now, what I, what, I want, what I want to see is you two using the Twitter app. Nah, you're nope. okay. 
<laughs> you laugh now, but we will oh. see when you will have to adapt eventually and, you know, live without timeline sync or background refresh. You know? It's not happening. Extensions. Yeah. It's, it's been, a, it's been a, quite of a journey for me, you know, to get used to this stuff. Well, I'm pleased that you're back with, you know, in, in reality again. Yeah. It's true. All right, so that about, I think that's about it for this week's episode of Connected. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash connected slash seven. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can also find a contact button there and you can also tweet at us. Uh, I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And Stephen is at I-S-M-H. Um, Federico writes over at maxstories.net and Stephen at 512pixels.net. Don't forget to check out all of the other fantastic podcasts that we have for you at Relay.fm. We'll be back next week with another episode of Connected. Until then, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.